during that time, talking about how we played the game at that time, it was about the big hit. It was about headhunting. And like I said, I played strong safety and played corner. We used that terminology. We headhunted. We, we, we knocked somebody. We knocked them out. Go knock them out. Take them out the game. Those are the terms that we used. It was a very physical, very um, gladiator-type sport. And nothing has changed in that as far as the physicality of the game. But the guys are faster. The guys are stronger. And we got to take it back to, and this is one thing that was big with Foster and I when we talk about bringing character, leadership, discipline, and work ethic back in there. This is Tracy Suggs, co-founder of Protect Your Skull, former football player. You're listening to the Heads and Tails podcast. How does a man get a fine on Sunday? Sometimes it hit, you can't avoid it. Other times it's because you want to make the big hit. So in my opinion, that if you know that you're out there to play safer and smarter, you're going to try your best not to hurt that guy. And you're going to try your best and say, hey, let me make a classic hit that makes sense. Not something that's trying to kill somebody or may call for the damage to their career. You know, so that's the way it's got to be played different. It's the mentality of the athlete has to shift as well, along with the coaches. This is uh, Foster Wilkins, former football coach and football player. You're listening to the Heads and Tail podcast. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Som, and each week I bring you an inspiring athlete's story of perseverance or expert knowledge in the field of sports health and safety. Just like flipping a coin, you can't control what happens to you in sports or in life. You can always control how you respond. This is my response after suffering a traumatic brain injury in a high school football game, and I hope it leaves you feeling both inspired and informed. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails podcast. This week, I'm excited to have on uh, two former college football teammates. We got Tracy Suggs and Foster Wilkins. Uh, They're both the co-founders of a company called Protect Your Skull. Um, And today, we're going to talk a little bit about how they are trying to shift concussion culture and why. So guys, can you start off by giving us some background on uh, what Protect Your Skull's mission is, uh, the brand, and kind of the backstory behind what you guys are doing? Hey, it's great and great to be here with you today. Uh, the Protect Your Skull brand is a, uh, a brand that myself, Tracy Suggs, and my business partner, Foster Wilkins, we came together to create this brand. Um, primarily, our goal as a company is to heighten the awareness um, through our brand offerings, heightening concussion awareness, uh, player safety, uh, playing all sports safe and smarter, and we came together um, with this approach because we knew at the end of the day, we wanted to ensure the athletes have a better quality of life after the game. Okay. And is that due to kind of the quality of life that you have, you guys have experienced after the game? Like what, what was the, um, I guess, trigger for this? Like, is it, was it a personal experience or something that you're noticing? Well, uh, this is Foster Wilkins uh, with Protect Your Skull. One of the reasons Tracy and I formulated this idea was due to I was coaching college football at a Division II school, and I had talked to him about the number of head traumas that we had in our athletes. And uh, at that point, we came together and we decided to create a apparel that promotes safety. And, and also, during our time playing college football together, we had, had some uh, – some concussions under at that time they wouldn't call concussion it was just called you know uh you you got a stinger or you got a um a a burner going on in your head so you know so at that time we we didn't fully understand it you got your bell wrong you know so we didn't fully understand it at that time but when i was coaching college football 
I believe that after one of my athletes went down and I had to see the face of his, uh, of his colleagues that's played with him and spending that time in the ER with him while he was unconscious and to have that head injury, I thought that at that point that safety was the most important thing when we were dealing with uh, parents' children or athletes that came to the university level. So Foster, that's an interesting uh, story. And especially because um, Tracy and I kind of talked offline for a, a little bit. Uh, and we talked about how a lot of coaches don't necessarily embrace safety or really prioritize safety. But it sounds like with this experience with one of your players, it was almost like a traumatic event that kind of uh, shifted that uh, mindset in you. Um, is this the case or... Yes, yes, yes. Let me tell you what it done to me, really. I'm an outside linebacker over over the years, and I played the game at a high level in terms of at the Division II school that me and Tracy played at. And, you know, I'm a Hall of Fame player from that university. So, of course, I'm a pass rushing linebacker that, that applied pressure and will hit you. So, in, in 2013, 2012 season, it gave me a brain shift. And it wanted, I wanted to promote safety more and not take away from the game, but let guys know they have a choice when they're on the field. If you got a head injury, you need to make a decision as long with the coaches to understand that you can't go back on the field till you go through protocol. And at the little school that I was at coaching, I mean, the trainer was on board with that. And I think me as a coach, letting my players know, hey, this is important to me. So if we don't win, we don't win. You know what I mean? So that was important to me. Right. And I think that's important to have, uh, it's important for an athlete to hear that from their coach. And I think uh, an important part of what you said was, is that you have a choice. And I think for a lot of times, you know, when we were growing up playing, it almost was like you didn't have a choice. You didn't have a choice if you were hurt or you didn't have a choice if you got your bell rung to, you know, kind of tap out per se and say, Hey, like, I'm not right. I need to, you know, heal up before I, I get back in there. Um, so that's an interesting kind of perspective that you, that you bring to the table. Um, so you told us a little bit about your, uh, your guys' college football experiences, but you know, what are the main ways that you have, you've, you've, or main changes that you've seen from the times that you've played, uh, until today? And then also how have they stayed the same? Yeah, of course, uh, and you hear all the time that the athletes now are bigger, stronger, and faster. That's one of the biggest changes that we've seen in the game. And the game has evolved. That's one of, one of our biggest taglines. So that's uh, a great point that you brought across because when we created a brand, that was one of the initial um, points that we made that, hey, when me and Foster came together, we said the game has evolved. So we have to play the game safer and smarter. Um, at the same time, we were looking at uh, – I looked at where when we started this brand, the concussion lawsuits with the NFL and NCAA were happening around the same time that Foster was coaching. He had that incident with um, the players. And like I said, we came together and said we have to do something. I played defensive back, and like you said, we played at a high level. I'm used to coming up and – during that time, talking about how we played the game at that time, it was about the big hit. It was about headhunting. And like I said, I played strong safety and played corner. We used that terminology. We headhunted. Um, we, we, we knocked somebody um, 
We knocked him out. Go knock him out. Take him out the game. Those are the terms that we used. It was a very physical, very um, gladiator-type sport, and nothing has changed in that as far as the physicality of the game. But the guys are faster. The guys are stronger. And we got to take it back to, and this is one thing that was big with Foster and I when we talk about bringing character, leadership, discipline, and work ethic back in there. And we talk into the game and we talk about being a high character individual because now with the game shifting towards safety, the game shifting, and now you see everyone is so used to the traditionalists, used to the way the game was played. When you talk about safety protocols, when you talk about concussion protocols and changing the game to make it safer for athletes and you see how defensively the game has changed so much it's more of an offensive game a lot of the hardcore traditionalists don't want to see the game played that way and that's the biggest shift that we've seen is where the game is so the guys playing the game um, from a health standpoint and I know you're big on this as well uh, from a health standpoint conditioning standpoint these athletes now are stronger they're faster they're bigger and they're more skilled and that's the biggest change you see because now you can't continue to play the game with the physicality, especially now that we know more about CTE. We know more about head injuries. We see athletes that played the game in the past, the athletes, our heroes, and how they're suffering from those head injuries. So definitely that's where we've seen the shift, the physicality of the game, the, the conditioning of the athletes. So now we have to shift where the game is more skilled and not as violent as it has been in the past. Right, and there's uh, three good points that I, I pulled out from from what you you just said. Um, the first one is one of your taglines is that the game has evolved, and I think that's uh, a major topic. That's kind of a buzz phrase that's thrown around um, in in a lot of ways, but I think it's an important thing to kind of dissect because the game certainly has evolved. And if you look, you know, in history when football first became a sport, um, there was a lot of serious injuries and serious head injuries in particular that, you know, almost caused people to ban the sport in general. And um, I, I've done a few episodes on the history and background of how the game has evolved, but, you know, they went from no helmets to eventually what we have today, where there's a lot of technology packed behind the equipment today. Uh, but you have the arguments of, you know, should we take the face mask off? Should we not wear helmets? And I disagree because players are bigger, faster, stronger. There's some tremendous athletes out there. And these this equipment protects from those catastrophic injuries. Um, so I agree that it's not like uh, ignoring that you can't ignore that the game has evolved. And you can't also go back in time because it evolved for a reason. Uh, the second thing I really liked was the fact that you know, guys need to have uh, character, leadership, and discipline and because the game has evolved. And I like that because back in the in the day, we kind of had that mentality of like, yeah, the headhunter mentality, kind of like knocking the, the their star player out of the game. And that was kind of like taught to us. But, you know, what kind of character is, he, is involved with that kind of mindset? And it takes leader true leadership to embrace this new the new rules that are in place to protect uh, player safety um, and to set the example for guys who maybe still might have that old mentality to you know transition them to something new and a new thought process that is really better for for everyone and as we've seen in the NFL this season uh, the discipline that's required to 
you know, make those adjustments to your game to adhere to the rules. So I really liked that you pointed those those three character traits uh, out. Um, and do you guys have any further thoughts on that before we we move on a little bit? Yeah, this is uh, Foster again. From my perspective and what we have done, we also created a handbook that we probably have out probably within the next six months or so. We got to do some editing to it. But one of the biggest things that we point out in the handbook is that characters is understand they have to have good integrity and respect for someone else. You know, I look at, I give you an ideal situation of understanding how does a man get a fine on Sundays? Sometimes it hit, you can't avoid it. Other times it's because you want to make the big hit. So in my opinion, that if you know that you're out there to play safer and smarter, you're going to try your best not to hurt that guy. And you're going to try your best to say, hey, let me make a classic hit that makes sense. Not something that's trying to kill somebody or may call for the damage to their career. You know, so that's the way it's got to be played different. It's the mentality of the athlete has to shift as well, along with the coaches. I mean, I know that we got to be uh, grimy and up, up top, upbeat sometimes. But at the same time, our attitude reflects in the athlete. Yes, I, I was taught to play aggressive to be honest with you. But I had to modify that in my coaching to teach about leverage play, how to, how to, not to, how to use your hands more. You know, so those are the things that we need to teach our athletes that's playing football. And it's not just football. There's other sports too. I mean, my daughter's a track runner. And if she, she took a fall last year in nationals, I told her, hey, here's the deal. You can't go back out there. You hurt. So it's just not football. It's sports in general. Right. Yeah, it's, it's important to make uh, that distinction, too. Yeah, it goes over all sports. And uh, Foster, I got a question for you, too. Can you remind me of when you, you, you got out of the coaching game? What year? Yeah, I left um, a Division two school uh, in 2000. I think it was 2013. 2012 was the last season. Um, however, let me, let me explain what we have done with this platform since I left the game. Uh, I had already had a small mental health company. Uh, in North Carolina. So it gave me an opportunity to be able to do something I love, which coach football and be able to run the company. So, uh, but what we've done with this platform is that we have not only start educating coaches, we went back to the conference we played in first. Tracy and I played in the CIAA. So we went back to the CIAA first, but we went back to the university that we played at. One of the things that we've done as an as a agency and as a company, we provided a shadow man sled to our university. One, one of the things with the shadow man sled, it taught our outside pass rushers to be able to rip and get the ball versus trying to kill the quarterback. So that was one thing we've done at, at Fayetteville State University. The second thing, we, we got into a deal with them on our soft shell helmets that we get from um, game breakers. So we had the school to invest in buying soft shells from us for the, to have the athletes who are in that downtime and going light that they can still be protected with headgear. And so that's some of the things that we had done with this platform. We started back in the conference that we played in, and we wanted to try to get it not only across the conference, but we also established reward, uh, rewards that we gave out to the athletes that tried to play safer and smarter. So, so that's some of the things that we've done getting started here giving back what we made off apparel in the first year to show that it's not about just making money. It's about highlighting a message about safety. 
Yeah, could you guys dive a little deeper into uh, the awards that you gave to athletes for playing safer? Like, you got examples and stuff like that of like what made them worthy of receiving the award? Yeah, uh, we initially what we started with were at Fayetteville State University. Um, at the end of every week, we get we gave a safety award uh, in all facets of the game, and we gave an award for special teams, offense, and defense based on that individual that played with high character and integrity and they played, and they played that game um, with a safer and smarter mentality. That means playing the game with high character and high integrity. And the coaches pointed out those individuals that exemplified that. And then we moved from there and at our, still at our university, we looked at um, the homecoming game at Fayetteville State University where we, we – uh, awarded the offensive and defensive player of the game once again not only showing that hey these individuals played at a high level during the game as we have with a lot of the uh, the player of the game awards that we see throughout sports but we also wanted to continue to highlight that those individuals played the game the right way and we also gave that award um in conjunction conjunction with something we were doing with the Derek Sheely Foundation we gave an award to um, the high school um, player of the game, high school defensive player of the game, offense and, and defense, like I said. Yeah, working with the high school. And we partnered with the high school along with raising money to donate to the Derek Sheely Foundation. And that foundation also is was put in place to commemorate and recognize concussion awareness, but also from a, a player that, had fallen to a severe head injury, and we reached out to them, that foundation, and that's one of our partners that we worked with. We brought them down. We brought the parents down, and we brought them down. They went to the football game. We actually, Foster went out and, and made sure that their stay here was about us showing them love for, not only for their loss, but for their commitment to concussion awareness and safety. And now, working with game, um, not Game Breaker, but uh, HBCU Game Day. We, as of, uh, this is our second year, we have created a National um, Black College Player of the Year Award where we have highlighted and showcased not only the what we felt was at the end of the, end of the year the best player um, offensively and defensively in HBCU football, um, we, we wanted to highlight those guys playing, once again, playing at a high level, playing the game, saving smarter, um, playing with high character. And the athlete that won Defensive Player of the Year last year, we were very um, excited about, was Darius Leonard, who is now the NFL Rookie of the Year. We were one of the first to recognize him, not only for his efforts on the field, but for his efforts off the field, for him playing the game with high character, with discipline, with leadership, and work ethic. So those are the things that we – um, like Foster was saying, we put in place with this brand. This brand is not just about, hey, that's creating a apparel brand. The brand started from a passion and a love of doing um, things for athletes, for universities, for the sports, not only in football, but all sports that were dedicated to playing the game safer and smarter. And we wanted to continue to do that. We collaborated and donated funds to North Carolina A&T University for uh, concussion v prevention research 
We um, uh, we also donated over four thousand dollars to the CIAA athletic football department. That means throughout, we're talking about five to six different universities to help them buy helmets and equipment to make sure they have quality equipment. And that's one of the things that you mentioned earlier when we talk about the game has evolved. We knew that having the proper equipment, talking about the proper techniques, and that's something where Foss is very high on playing the game the right way, start utilizing your hands, your body, and your techniques in a certain way to make sure you ensure not only you're playing the game at a high level, you're playing effectively, but you're also playing safer, you're playing smarter, and that's for you and your opponent that you're playing against. Yeah, it's a good point to make. That is for you and your opponent. But yeah, I love that you guys uh, created those safety awards, not only for uh, offense and defense. It's it, They're not just even like one player a week like the NFL does. And a lot of the times the videos that they put out for that safety player of the week uh, has nothing to do with a safety technique tackle. It's just like a nice football play. But I like that you guys... Um, award that to a special teams player offense and defense uh, especially because from our times we used to get awards for the biggest hits and a lot of times those hits would now probably be called illegal hits uh, so I think that's a great way to kind of shift that con- concussion culture and I also like that the awards that you're giving out also kind of tie into stuff outside of football which basically is kind of uh, recognizing that these guys are more than just football players, which is really important when they do eventually transition to that life after football uh, when that day comes. Uh, One last thing before we move on from this topic, Uh, Foster, I've got a question for you. So when you were, when you were coaching, uh, I'm curious, like what kind of language or verbiage you guys used uh, and maybe how, how that, uh, evolved over time, you know, in terms of like what coaches are saying to kids uh, to promote safety, you know, you know, because when I was growing up, we never really had any coaches talk about safety. It's more of like avoiding uh, the the talk of injuries and that kind of stuff. And I'm sure that it's still around today. But you know, when you got out of the out of coaching, what was the language like uh, from the coach's perspective when speaking to the kids? Let me just tell you a little bit about my style is, uh, you know, like I said, when I was younger, I was more of an aggressive style coach. Uh, I I realized over the years, going on 50 this year, and I was probably like 45, 46 when I was coaching still, uh, I, I, I didn't curse as much as I did in the beginning <laughs> because we had a different athlete, you know what I mean? And what I mean by having a different athlete, kids are built different these days. And so you have to take more of a classic approach with them uh, in terms of letting them know that you understand where they are. Uh, Back then, we would do whatever it took to please the coach. Now it's almost like the coach has got to please the athlete, you know. So, And then not only that, uh, not to say the parents didn't care back then, but it seems to me that the kids are understanding that Safety is important to them. When we talked about it at the school I was at, uh, the trainer was definitely pushing it more and helping the kids understand the symptoms and when they had a headache or feeling the pressure of a headache, uh, temporary loss of consciousness, stuff like that. We we did talk about those things. But what I also realized, too, that at a Division II school, some of them, we, we didn't have the best equipment all the time. 
And so one of the things of what Tracy said about when we first did the, um, the giveaway of the helmets in that conference, not saying they didn't have money, we just wanted to make sure they could add additional helmets to be safe. Uh, so in, I know that the budgets are different across the board from D1 to D2 to D3. However, the same injuries occur at all levels. And those injuries are considered ghost injuries because you can't see them. And if you got a leg injury or elbow or knee, or you, a kid hop off the field right away. If you get a head injury, nine times ten, you get back up and go back out there not knowing what really is going on. So, again, I believe that the language that we have to say to our kids is that, hey, if you have a head injury, come off the field. Because coaches, when we're coaching, we're coaching at a level that we're really paying attention to what's going on on the field so that we can make the best transition to win the game. And this is me speaking from a coach's standpoint. A lot of times we don't know that you have a head injury unless you let us know or if the trainer saw it. So it's important that the athlete also take ownership to let coaches know that they're hurt. I mean, because a coach can see you got a knee injury or ankle. So he's going to take get that guy off the field. But a head injury is different because it's a ghost injury, and ghosts mean you can't see it, but you can feel it. Right. No, yeah. I mean, I've been there, and I hid my concussion, uh, and that's ultimately what led to my second impact syndrome and why I'm talking on this podcast today. So um, it's nice to hear that you guys are uh, embracing that that new uh, mentality. So another tagline that I know you guys use, and uh, I recently saw one of your T-shirts that said this, is safety over everything. And I love that T-shirt because – to me, if everyone embraced that mentality, I think we could avoid a lot of the, you know, really bad injuries that we see uh, in in football, but in all sports in general. So I guess, uh, what does safety over everything mean to you guys? And why should coaches, athletes, and parents uh, avoid this, uh, this, this mentality? Well, you know, the first biggest thing is getting people to change their mindset. That's what anything in the world. And, and I mean, I know we got a lot of older people who think that the big hit is important, but again, safety trumps everything. Because the reason when we came up with that T-shirt, uh, it, it, it started off as that, you know, hey, let's, let's put this first. Safety has to go first in sports, in any sport. And because, again, somebody are trusting us with their kids as a coach. That's the biggest thing. Nobody can predict what's going to happen in any sport. But if you took the right approach and told the parents that you're providing these services and you're, you're letting them know that we, we, we're going to talk about safety, and it's a risk at that point. But at the same time, you took time to educate your student athletes and the parents on safety. We even uh, added in there, which we left out, we got a video that we did with Jump Rock Media and uh, we'll share that video with you when you want to see it, that emphasize three athletes. And it goes to the stage of having your bell rung, getting the rest you require to get back on the field, and all those good things. And this, these athletes, you know, do your, smart, do your part, be smart and do your part. So it's everybody's concern. Yeah, I'll definitely link that uh, video up in the, sh- the show notes for this episode. Uh, and uh, Tracy, you have anything to add to that? Yeah, the biggest thing, and that's just the continued philosophy that we have fostering in our eyes that 
safety is over everything. Now in sports, now in culture, and just <clears throat> foster coaching on a collegiate level. And then me with uh, coaching, I've done some coaching on a, with Parks and Rec on a youth on a youth level, on a youth sports level. And you talked about the communication and how communication has changed along with going into what we're talking about now where safety over everything, that's a part of the change in communication to where that whole mentality and attitude about toughness and uh, safety um, teaches each athlete how to become accountable, tenacious and eager to learn more in every area of their lives. So when we talk about safety and we talk about culture and you hear culture change so much in sports right now, but to us, it's not just a phrase. It's really taking on the fact that you can no longer win without safety. Winning and safety are now fused together as one. If you're not safe, if your program is not safe, if you're not preaching safety, if you're not um, ensuring that to these parents, that's why a lot of the numbers are going down in, in football. Um, middle school programs are being lost. Youth football organizations' numbers are down. So you have a lot of youth football organizations that no longer exist. You see the rise in 707. You see the rise in flag football because now there's further emphasis, emphasis on safety. You cannot win without safety. Safety and winning are now fused together as one. Yeah, we bring, and what we bring as a brand, we bring safety to the table. And we truly believe, we looked at the impact that we've had, even small, as a small brand like us, two individuals who want to change the world of sports, who wanted to change the culture of sports. We've reached out to um, the pros in college, on a pro level and a collegiate level, and we see that just on a small scale, the impact that we've made. And to us, that's the biggest thing that we bring to the table. At the end of the day, if we can save one life and we can reach one person, one parent, even to where we're talking with you now and all the great things you're doing with your podcast and in your life to promote um, safety in sports, to talk about injuries in sports. Um, it's great because at the end of the day, we say it over and over again, you cannot win without safety. Safety and winning are fused together as one. And the communication to the youth athlete, we redefine what toughness is. You can no longer talk about toughness tenacity and all those things that we came up playing in sport as you can now no longer link weakness to safety, weakness to communicating. You got to empower these athletes. And that's one of the things that we try to do. That's another word we talk about all the time. Empowerment. When we talk in football camps and we go to baseball camps and we go to basketball camp, we talk about empowering the athlete to where now you speak up. Now you talk about your injuries. You are, you communicate with the coaches. When I was playing ball coming up, it was like, is your arm broke? No, coach. Is your, your leg broke? No, coach. Can you walk? Can you see? Yes, coach. Well, get out there and play. That was the mentality. Now it has to be if you are injured, if you are hurt, especially with these, the, the invisible injury that we have now as far as brain injuries, um, including concussions, that we have to CTE, the big topic CTE, we have to say you are empowered through your communication. And that's what it's all about, uh, making sure you have the right medical attention on the field. At the, and I was just in a sports meeting. My son runs track. He just finished the basketball season. He's a 12-year-old in the seventh grade. We had our spring, uh, <laughs> spring parent, um, spring season, spring sports meeting yesterday. And that entire evening, I purposely sat there and I waited 
for someone to mention uh, head injuries, to mention concussions, and it was not mentioned at all. And they asked the parents if you had any other questions. And I raised my hand as a parent and I said, what are your protocols when it comes to concussions and head injuries? Um, how is your staffing as far as having someone certified on the sidelines, whether it be um, track, baseball, uh, soccer? What are, your, what are your protocols? And then they elaborated on how important concussion awareness was. And, and see, but it shouldn't be an afterthought. That should be the first thing in communication. We have to empower the athletes through um, empowering them by letting them know, hey, I can communicate about my injuries. For every program, sports program, football, baseball, soccer, girls volleyball, whatever the program is, the best way to keep your athletes on the field, the best way to be successful on the field as a program is to make sure you have your athletes ready, prepared, and safe. That's the only way you can get the best performance out of them. Yeah, and that's 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 kind of what what I think when I hear safety above over everything as well. Um, in terms of one of my former teammates, and now he's a fullback for the Chicago Bears, uh, Mike Burton. I had him on the podcast in, in the early days, and uh, he said one thing that was interesting to me: that your best ability is your availability, and without safety, right. if you're always hurt then you're never going to be on the field anyway. And it also translates into uh, life after sports too. Like you only have one brain, you only have one body. You know, if you're not safe, you don't take care of yourself and you, you play injured and you, you push things, you know, you're the only one that has to live with that for the rest of your life. Not the coach, not your teammates. It's only you. And it's tough to make that distinction when you're, you know, 16, 17 years old with, aspirations to play in college and in the NFL and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, you, you won't make it there if you're not healthy. So uh, it's, it's an important mindset to, to embrace. And I appreciate that you guys are spreading that word. Well, that's, that's, that's great that you said that because that leads into what we said overall for the brand. And it's great that your former teammate um, mentioned that, that your availability is the best, that's, that's the best way to be successful. If you're not available, you can't be successful. But, to take that a step further, and you mentioned it, um, you're not going to do any, and this is one thing that I'm, I'm big on, Foster's big on it, you're not going to do anything, be anything, or be available to your family, or your next phase of life doesn't, is not going to have any value if you don't realize that your quality of life after the game matters most. Because after the sport, after the game, after everything said and done, your quality of life matters more than anything. And now in this age where everything is about fitness, um, everything is about being available, everything is about being in the best shape that you can possibly be in mentally and physically, even spiritually. Um, the mental part of the game, is a great, it, that's the biggest aspect of it. Because mentally you have to be in a situation where you're going to be prepared to be ready physically. You're going to be prepared um, as far as your assignments the proper way to tackle, the proper way to position yourself, the, um, the proper position to be in at all times. You have to stay safe to keep your family safe. Look at the concussion lawsuits like I spoke about earlier. One of the biggest things I noticed and when we came together, we realized we needed to make a change. A lot of these ex-athletes are not available to their family at the capacity that they need to be because they did not play the game safe in Sparta. They did not have the information. They were not taught to play the game the way it should be played now. And you want to be able to walk away. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that, that that's a great transition into the next topic of conversation. And uh, when I spoke to you uh, that day a couple of weeks ago, when we were talking about this interview, uh, I mentioned this NPR podcast that I had just listened to. I know that uh, Tracy and, and Foster listened to it uh, going into it. And I'll link this episode up in, in the show notes so you guys can listen to it as well. So just a little background on what the story was. It basically, they were NPR was trying to do a story on, you know, are these concussion laws that are put in place, uh, in particular, um, Max's law, which originated in the state of Oregon. Um, basically, it was named after uh, an an athlete who suffered from second impact syndrome. Same thing, uh, same injury that I had. Uh, he didn't end up as fortunate as I was. I have I was cognitively in that I was kind of I didn't have a ton of cognitive deficits after my injury. Uh, but basically, what they're trying to see is: Do these rules actually help athletes? You know, are they protecting them from concussions? And kind of what they found was. Well, it, it protects them from the catastrophic injuries because uh, a lot of them are like concussion protocols. Like, you know, you can't go back to the field until you are symptom free and you get cleared by your doctor and you go through the, the, the various tests that the athletic trainers put you through. Um, but what they don't protect you from is the concussions themselves and still multiple concussions over, over years. And uh, the story kind of takes us through uh, an athlete named uh, Jonathan Boland. Uh, who eventually went on to play at Portland State University, um, had a bunch of concussions in high school, uh, got one again in college, and then eventually had to retire due to concussions and ended up uh, holding up a, a convenience store at gunpoint, and now he's in jail. And uh, part of the argument that they made in court was that his concussions um, you know, led to his lack of decision-making, kind of and, and anxiety and he was on, uh, I forget what medicine he, or what drugs he was taking. Um, but one of the things that struck me the most in this, uh, episode was what his mother said and his mother felt somewhat responsible for, for what happened to her son in that, uh, she she wished that she asked him what else he'd love to do outside of football. He's she was like, We're always so excited and, you know, celebrating his victories on the field, but we never really embraced anything that he was interested in off the field. And when he lost football, she thinks that's a major reason why he kind of got into the wrong uh stuff. Um, so I'm kind of curious, like, what were your guys' thoughts on on that podcast? Well, that was the main point that I got from it. The, the, the point that you just brought about, it was after the game, what kind of thoughts do you have about where you want to be in life? And while you're playing the game, is the game everything? And that kind of is the synopsis of everything for me within that podcast was like, it, is the game everything? The game can't be everything. And if you recall back to the days when you played ball and when I was playing ball, and Foster can say the same thing, and you mentioned something earlier about at a young age, it's kind of hard to, you know, we all had those aspirations. I'm going to the league. <laughs> and that's, I'm going to the league. I'm going to play pro ball. And you had that as your everything, but you can't have that as your everything. That's not saying that you got to realize that we have the ability 
uh, the mental capacity to want to be great on the field, but we also have to have those aspirations off the field. And as parents, as coaches, we got to nurture that with the youth athletes being able to be in a situation where you're helping your child to invite other things into their lives, helping them, with, uh, whether it be aspirations of being an engineer or being in the technology. Do you enjoy martial arts? Do you enjoy math and science? It, you have to put as much emphasis on that as you put into being a great athlete on the field. And as coaches, as parents, as administrators and advisors or guardians in the life of a child, we have to put that as importance because a lot of times what you're going to find out, and like I said, coaching um, youth sports, coaching my son's basketball team, and being involved in his life as a, you know, from the time that he's six to now 12 years old, you realize that, hey, the biggest thing I push for him is, man, I get just as, as excited at, on a, in a 20-point basketball game as I do, I do when he says, Dad, I just got an A or I just got a B in, in, in science and robotics. I get just as excited for it. So that was a great point to make. It was like, is the people in your life or are the people in your life that matter most? Do you have them at the forefront? Yeah, great. Uh, Foster, you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, as Tracy said, you know, I definitely agree that the biggest piece is helping your kids to be able to tap into some. I think what mom said, she wish she had done something different. Uh, we all know that sports is important, but at the same time, there are other things that our kids, that we should encourage our kids to do. Uh, as a student athlete, for me, yeah, football was it. I called an injury the last game at Alabama State University to my shoulder. I just knew I was going to play on Sunday, right? You know, but the recognition that I tell my daughter, I say, everything you see on the wall, that's good. You know, that's great. That's something that I excel in. And I'm helping my child right now to understand with a back injury, she's an all-state track runner who has a back injury, hadn't ran all year because she fell at nationals. This is going from last year. But when she said to me, Daddy, do you care about what I run in college? It doesn't matter because you have more to offer the world than just running track. And that's important to me. And everybody asks me, that you're a student athlete, and you tell her that? Yes, because she's much brighter than just that track and field. Um, her, her teammate signed with Eastern Michigan the other night. She said to me, she said, Daddy, I need this season going to my senior year. I said, well, you know what, Megan? Here's the deal. If you run next year, if you don't run, it doesn't matter. You're a student athlete. That's a 4.5 student athlete, weighted GPA. You can go anywhere you want to go and get an academic scholarship and be able to use what you have from the top of your head and what we constantly talk about, how to be something else besides an athlete. No, that's, those are great points that you guys made. And I, it's cool that you are you know, really living what you, what you preach on a daily basis. And I like the point that you guys made about like, it's not about what's hanging on your wall, like all the plaques and all the trophies and all the things that you did on the field. Like those are all great, but you know, if you focus on like what got you to there, you know, that can also get you to other heights and players or, um, and, and other accomplishments down the road. Uh, if you apply those same principles. You know, it's funny, me and Tracy go out someplace and he always crack a joke on me. And if I have my ring on that says I'm a Hall of Fame 
athlete from my university, he said, oh, he's a Hall of Famer. Ask him about it. And I'm like, hey, Tracy, you can cut that out now. But it doesn't matter. I mean, if you played at the collegiate level or the high school level, it doesn't matter. My successes may not be the next man's successes. However, I embrace that. But at the same time, that's what, that, that doesn't make me. What I do now makes me as a person that's from over safety. And, and like I said, a lot of our teammates, like, can't be Foster that's talking about safety. He tried to kill you out there. But it is me. It is me talking about how to stay safe, how to play smarter. I mean, you know, and I honestly tell you, most of my teammates would say they still can't believe we promote safety and awareness, really. Like based off of how you guys played when you were right. playing? Yes. That's yeah. cool, though, but it's it's cool to see the, the shift and you guys, two guys that, you know, played the quote-unquote tough way, you know, are now um, trying to change things and pro- largely because you guys love the game, I'm sure, right? Oh, yeah, definitely love the game. Wouldn't do anything to hurt the game, just want to add to the game by helping our student athletes be to make a decision when they get a head injury. If they get a head injury, it's okay. It's okay to right. come off the field. I mean, you don't have to be the hero. We got somebody else can step up and play that position. If he's not that good, then chances are next year you need to recruit better. You know, that's the deal. You know, that guy is now down and somebody else got to step up and play. I remember telling a kid that before when I was at the Division II school, hey, man, you got to be the next man up. It ain't about how good you are. Well, I need you to play now. This guy can't go back in the game. I'm not going to lie to go back in the game. Head coach looked down at me, coach, what we got? Coach, he can't play. That's simple as that. He can't play. Right. Like you said, the biggest the biggest part is, and, and like Foster reiterated, and you just spoke it loud and clear when you said it, it resonated with me. It's from the love of the game. It's from the love of the game that we are approaching the game the way we see it right now. It's because of the love of the game that we noticed that there needed to be a change. There needed to be some individuals that came across. We did not see a brand. We did not see an entity that really put or a focus on concussion awareness, safety, playing the game safer and smarter, putting the emphasis on the quality of life, letting these individuals, these, these youth athletes know the game is evolved, not only just the youth athletes, but helping to change an entire culture of shift into the way you approach playing sports. Because that was the key for us. I mean, we both played aggressive. So now to see us doing what we're doing now, to, but the bottom line for us is the quality of life of the game after the game matters most. And you know what? The biggest piece of it, too, is that we're taking a proactive approach to safety, and we're not reacting because somebody got hurt. And a lot of times what we're noticing out here that other people react and try to come up with solutions. That's not the way to do it. You got to be proactive. Educate these kids on safety, and then after this game, you still got to go to work. I don't care if you make millions of dollars on Sunday. You still got to find a job. So, you know, in order to do that, you got to use your head. So it's important. It's very important. No, yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more. Uh, as we, you know, wrap up the, the conversation here a bit, um, what what are your thoughts on uh, concussion awareness month? I know uh, in our conversation, Tracy, you mentioned that there's not a ton, you know, out there that's embraced by some of the larger sports organizations out there. 
Yeah, and 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 the, what we're trying to do, and no, not even trying, what we are doing, and already done is like Foster just mentioned it. We're being proactive. We're not being reactive. We're not waiting for something to go down. Waiting for something to happen. We saw where there was a need to where you're talking about from um, from a legislative standpoint. We have the Concussion Foundation. You have Congress. You have everyone involved in Brain Injury Awareness Month, but uh, it will be great for a lot of our pro leagues to take that that same that same approach, that same approach to recognizing Brain Injury Awareness Month. That's our goal to have it recognized and have an impact the same way you do um, the the great months that we notice Breast Cancer Awareness Month. That we notice the, the veterans in November. Those are all super, they're all great causes. We're all a part of that too. We recognize breast cancer awareness ourselves. We recognize the veterans in November, like the other pro leagues. But it is amazing to me, amazing to us, that you have brain injury awareness a month and in pro sports where you would need that awareness in more than any other um, uh, part of life because of the way we are engaged in pro sports, that we don't see one commercial, we don't see one corporation we don't see one pro league that recognizes brain injury awareness month and that's something we want to change and we've done that um like when we did an event with um unc greensboro a couple of years ago where we had darius ramsey who played at western carolina and we posted a video um highlight from two years ago just recently and we uh, talked about he gave and told his story he told his story about playing big time d1 football and having concussions and that whole mindset of playing tough, hiding the concussions and not communicating with trainers, not communicating with the coaches, playing with that mentality where if I hide it, I can shake it off myself. That that we call it, we used to call it a tough man's mentality, but actually it's a weakness. It's a fear. It's a fear of leaving the field, a fear of letting your, your teammates down, a fear of losing your position, <laughs> a fear of losing um, that position that you've earned. And he spoke about that, and he spoke about his transition, everything that he's learned. And now Darius Ramsey, he's he's healthy, he's fit, he's he's constantly, he's still recovering. He's uh, involved in yoga, he's involved in getting that message out, and he thanked us for for allowing him to have that platform. And we and that's really big with us. It's really big with Foster. He's already tied into mental health, and we talk about mental health. We had a a um. We had a Greensboro a representative from the Greensboro Police Department come in and talk about one of his um his co-officers that went down just on a we talk about sports, but we talk about on the field and off the field. He was at home doing some repairs at the home, out on the pat patio, a back patio, out doing some work, and he fell down. He fell down, had a major, major head injury, major brain injury. And that police the police uh, representative came out and he talked to us about thanking us for recognizing him. And you talk about um, the recognition that we give. That's one of the the, um, the areas where we recognize individuals in the community as well. We gave a, a plaque to the, the, um, the police department to, to to focus on traumatic brain injuries. Yeah, and that, that's one of our, our, our biggest, biggest movements right now. Our biggest causes is to continue to let people know about traumatic brain injuries and this month is very important for us um to go out and and, and get that message out and you can go on, um on our 
um, YouTube page, Protect Your Skull, and you can go throughout our, our, our gram feed on Instagram and you'll see Darius Ramsey's story. And it's a very powerful story if you see the complete story. And then the police from the police department, the Greensboro police, to hear him tell that story and how passionate he was about it, um, his fellow officer going down and how it just changed the whole culture of that police department. Yeah, I'll definitely put embed those all those videos in, in the, the blog post for this episode so the listeners can uh, can see for themselves. Um, so what's new with uh, with pr- the Protect Your Skull brand? Um, I, I hear you guys have a, a recovery drink uh, that you guys are recently offering. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, we thought of a way that, you know, that we can uh, inform student athletes and other people uh, in general, uh, about safety. So we put the Protective Scrub brand on a baller, a sports uh, drink, uh, hydration recovery drink that emphasized uh, safety on the baller and focus in it, as well as hydration and recovery with, with a healthy sports drink. No, not a lot of, sh- not no sugar. We have electrolytes in it, um, vitamin C, vitamin B, vitamin A, and, it's, and it helps with performance recovery. And you know we and it's it's really there to provide a healthy drink with a lot of the B twelve supplements in it that will help a young man be able to focus and as he play and then also hoping it will help them have a drink that that they can count on for hydration and recovery. Uh, we hear a lot about concussions, but we got to keep our athletes hydrated as well. Sometimes we notice that what I notice that athletes get hurt when they're not properly hydrated. You know, and so if we enforce hydration and recovery, you don't have time to run that play uh, slow and get that injury. You know what I mean? So a lot of it is just make sure we keep our athletes hydrated. And if they hydrate it, then we can get the best uh, performance out of them. And so and it's also advocate safety on the baller. Yeah, I really like that idea um, because sports drinks are such a big part of sports in general. And you're like you said, hydration is key for a lot of injury prevention and staying healthy and and with concussions in particular. Um, So I I think it's an awesome idea to kind of like have the in your face safety brand, uh, you know, right on the bottle when uh, the athletes uh, drinking it. Um, One thing I forgot to ask you guys uh, was when we were talking about the quality of life after the game. Uh, what were your transitions to life after football like? And did you have struggles that kind of led to this realization that you're going to raise your kids a little differently? Well, well, for me, and, and, and we did kind of like over the broad spectrum of the conversation, we kind of mentioned a few points. But for me personally, yeah, the transition going from sports to, to <laughs> it's almost like when we talk about the military, becoming a civilian now <laughs> where you're not engaged in sports and you're not engaged in competition. You find different ways um, in business and in life. Like Foster, he started his business and, and you and I went out and, and ventured off and, and continued my, my, my approach to visual arts and graphic designs. Cause that was my, my um, major in school, but transitioning to that, was uh it was it was a transition it was a difficult transition at times but over time when you you start to realize and that was another reason why we focus on our quality of life you start to realize that hey and there's so much more out there in life that i could transition the same um tenacity the same um will to win i can focus that into 
whatever my career path was or whatever my business was. I can go and do work out in the community. And that was one of my biggest passions as well is to go out and do work in the community, to go out and inspire others to achieve greatness in their life. So you were able to, once you got away from the game, be able to teach youth athletes, my own, my own children, that, hey, there's so much um, um, that you can add to life and, in, and add into the life of others through that transition from sports going into your everyday lifestyle to where you're not as heavily dependent on or heavily active in sports. So that was, it was a big transition. And for me, that transition was a very positive transition because, man, it's the great lessons that we learn in sports. And I know you got from sports and Foster and all our athletes is that when we talk about character, leadership, discipline, and work ethic, all that translate, translates over into family life and business. For me, I, one of my um, things I always say is that I was a little rough around the edges. I come from a two-parent household, and uh, both parents was there. But I still was um, a little rough around the edges um, trying to do some things with the other kids in the community. So football was a great transition from high school to college. Uh, after college, I still say I'm in a step-down mode. Uh, I still have that same 530 regimen, but it's walking. It's not running now. It's walking. So um, in, in, in my other areas of my professional career, after coaching college football and being a, I've been, I was a parole officer first, and I went back to coaching. So I think the, um, the ruggedness and the aggressiveness that I have with football, I took it to law enforcement. And even learning now, that's, not the, 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 that's a shift in that now too. So not only just with concussion, you learn that you have to do different in law enforcement now as well. Um, so I became a, a mental health counselor for inner city youth. And I provide the services in, in, in Greensboro, North Carolina for inner city youth as well. And, you know, and with, with all the things and all the changes, as, as we age and we realize we can't do the same things we used to do, uh, that's, a, that's a process of life. And I think that what we learn through sports a lot of times and the coaches that I had, they, they coach you to be a good man. And I can still hear some of the things that my head coaches say, send me a good boy, I'll send you a better man. And he used to say, plan your work, work your plan. So I have transitioned those things into my life, being a good man, planning my work, work my plan, while at the same time educating student athletes and in, in inner city youth on how to be good to themselves. And I love to see the impact that we have on the kids that I work with over the years, as well as the kids I coach over the years. So it, it all resonates into one. Uh, it started at football, shifting my mindset, and even though I still keep that crazy 5.30 regimen, most of my friends think I'm crazy. You get up and go work out for an hour in the morning? Yes, I do. But the point I'm making is that it's what I know and what I know that came through the sport. I love the game. I wouldn't do anything to hurt the game, but I want to educate our athletes on making a choice when you're on the field that if you got to come out, come out. That's more important then you go out there and get that secondary impact. And when I looked at Miss Sheely's face, Derek Sheely's mom's face, her son played at Frostburg University. And when she talked about it, when you saw the pain, and he died from a secondary impact 
concussion. Had someone noticed that, or if he said something to someone, he would have never sustained that second concussion, and he would probably be here today. So that fear me to be even more passionate about providing safety and educating our student athletes on safety. And so that I don't have to see another parent face like Miss Sheely, I can see her pain even to this day. And meaning that when you, when you lose a child, and watching my dad over the years when we lost my brother to a hunting accident, I know that pain. And that's going to continue to fuel me to promote safety and awareness in sports. Yeah, well, I appreciate you guys uh, sharing those experiences uh, with the audience. And uh, and just to wrap up, where can uh, people connect with you guys online and help shift uh, the, the culture of toughness in sports that we've been talking about in this episode? Yeah, um, you can go to our website. Uh, we're at protectyourscore.com. You can follow us on Instagram at protectyourscore. We're on Twitter at PYScore. And even on Facebook, you can go to protectyourscore. And with our sports drink, you can go to our website, protectyourscore.com, and you can order the sports drinks. We have it available right now um, in volumes of 12, 20, um, 6, 12, or 24 where you can go and order those. But that's where you can reach out to us, and you can also email us at info, info at protectyourschool.com. You can email us if you need for us to come out and you want to talk about um, in some way um, um, financially being able to. You want us to come out and speak and talk to your youth programs or you want more information about concussion awareness and safety, more information about how we can get involved in your community. and we're going to have the handbook available on that web, on the website as well. But everything that is poured back into our brand, we pour back into the community. I think that's one of the biggest things we want to get put across, that this brand was created to make an impact you know, on the community, make an impact in the lives of our youth athletes. We're, we're losing too many, as, as Foster spoke. So we want to be there to be able to, to create an impact to where People know how passionate we are about going out and making a difference out in the community, making a difference in the lives of the individuals out in the community and everything that you pour into to protect your school brand um, through all of our offerings, whether it be the handbook. The handbook is going to be awesome for, for coaches, for administrators and educators to be able to develop um, um, their youth athletes. When we talk about all those things we talked about, character, leadership, work ethic and discipline will be covered in that manual. Um, safety, awareness, hydration, recovery, um, building better men and women. That's what we're all about. Because when we look out here, we see too many lives being lost. I know a couple of years ago, it was big in the news how many high school athletes we were losing to head injuries and secondary impact. And, and we're just passionate about it. I'm very passionate about it. And we talk about our background talk about how hard my father worked and all the things that we've learned from him about letting your word be your bond and keeping your name good and, and um, earning things from the sweat of your brow. That's, those are some of the things I'm very passionate about, very passionate about talking to my kids about, look, at the end of the day, you have to be yourself, be happy about the things that you've been blessed to be able to achieve and be able to do and go forth and make the greatest impact you can on the world and be passionate about it. Well, I, I really appreciate you guys uh, for your passion and the effort that you're putting in to shift this concussion culture. And 
Uh, I think it's a unique approach. I really like it. Um, and I appreciate you guys taking the time to come on the show today and uh, tell us all about it. Appreciate you giving us the opportunity to come out and talk about it. And Kevin, I greatly appreciate you and everything you're doing because this platform that you have um, is allowing our platform and the platform that others have to be able to continue to push this 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 mission, this culture of safety. And uh, it's great that you're doing that because like we said before, safety above everything. Safety is over everything. The quality of life matters most because the game has evolved. I love it. Uh, thanks, guys. All right. Thank you.